All right. Well, we're sharing testimonies this month, and uh, we're excited. Uh, great job by Scott last week. Thank you for your testimony, sharing what God did in your life and how God's continuing to work. And uh, this morning, Miss Jenny's going to come and come and share what God has done in her life and how God uh, brought her to salvation. And uh, I think the interesting thing about all of this, yeah, go ahead, is I want you to see how different our stories are. Nobody's story's the same. Everybody's story has a difference except for the ending. The difference is in how we lived it. The ending is what God has done. So, Ben, see if this will pick up for Miss Jenny right there. There you go. Smell it? Hey. Well, God has brought me here right now for such a time as this. Amen. And I thank him for it. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff in my story that I'm not even going to share. It was um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll growing up and, and all the stuff that goes in it and around it and with it. Um, I was one of four children my parents had, and they met in AA, so um, they did good for a while, and Daddy never went to church with us, but Mama took us to church early, and we were all baptized at an early age. <clears throat> I was eight. And Mama quit going, they started drinking, and just everything kind of fell apart. And so I remember my Sunday school teacher and the supervisor of the de Sunday school department and how much they meant to me, at, but it took me all these years to remember that they set the love of Jesus in my heart. And I didn't follow him though all the, all the years. Um, and one of my Sunday school teacher gave me a little bookmark that talked about um, God has not promised sky is always blue, flowers strewn pathways all our life through. But in the end, he's promised us strength for the day and everything. And that little bookmark meant a lot to me, and I saved it and read it all the time. And I suppose I must have learned memory verses back then because I, I, I can come up with them and think, well, how, when did I learn that? But, I, you know, I remember learning them. But definitely I was pregnant at 15. Had my son at 16. We got married. Back then, you just got married whether you liked each other or not. It was just one of those things. Um, didn't last long. But God was with me. He's been with me the whole time. And, you know, this is... <clears throat> I was sort of like a wildflower growing up, you know, and the little wildflowers, um, they get pushed down by the rain and the wind and all that but they learned to survive and I had a bad drug and alcohol problem and coming up in May will be five years since I've had any drugs or alcohol and, and I'm thankful for that <clears throat> I did it one day at a time with Jesus and 
my salvation story. I went, like I said, I was way far away. I got baptized as a child, but I was lost the whole time. I went to church throughout my life. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a girls' kid, GAs it's called in the Baptist church. And, but I was lost. I was filling a pew. I didn't have the hope and the love of Jesus in my heart. And today, I do. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, for the people that's brought me throughout my life. I've had godly people in my life. And then he brought me here to the fresh start. And I had been baptized, but then I got saved when I got here. And then I got baptized on the right side of my salvation. Amen. And it's just been a blessing. This book right here is one of my favorite books. And I read it every single day because it has guidance in here for me. And back in 2015, I was out in my yard and I was thinking, Jenny, you know, you're doing the same things you did when you were a teenager. And right about that time, I saw Jesus up on the cross and all my sin up there with him, and I just started crying because I had hurt my Savior, and I didn't want to hurt my Savior any more than, than I had already hurt him. And he took my hand right then, and he's led me every step of the way. Every, and this book is even more precious to me. And I'm not good with saying words and all that kind of stuff, but I know what Jesus did for me. He took me, a broken little girl, like we just sang, and, a, and he took an um, old chunk of coal, and he's making a diamond out of me today Amen. because he loves me. And I thank you all for listening. And if you ever want to know the, I mean, it's like I have, I'm 66 years old, and it's like I have like 14,000 different stories in my life. And I couldn't begin to say them all up here, but I thank you all for listening. And that is my salvation story, Jesus. Thank you. We all got a story. I thought it was interesting. She stopped and looked one day and said, I'm still living the same way I was when I was a kid. Nothing's changed. I've been in church. I, I, w I was in a pew. I was a teacher. I was, I was, people thought I was okay because I went to church. But nothing had changed inside. And then one day I saw Jesus and I saw the cross and I saw what he had done for me. Boy, that's, that's what it's all about, folks. It doesn't matter if you sit here or not. It matters if you kneel there at the cross. It matters if you turn your heart to Christ. If you ask for forgiveness of sin, it's, it is coming to Him that makes the difference. And, and here's the thing I love about what Jenny said. I don't always have all the right words. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to say it. And sometimes that I think that's part of our problem, is we don't know how to express what's happened inside. But if you know her and you hang around her at all, she doesn't have to explain it. You just know something's there. It's genuine. She talks about Jesus. She lives for Jesus. She, she walks, not always perfectly, but she walks 
daily trying to be perfect. And I, I can say that because I've walked with her and watched her go through some of these things where she's had days where it wasn't easy and it wasn't good, but she's found victory in the middle of it. And, and you know, her, Scott's, her and Scott's um, got some, they've got some similarities and yet differences. Scott wasn't in church at all as a kid. He didn't grow up around church, but yet the Lord found him. Found him through a church, through people, through the body. And so as we're talking about all this, what, what we're talking about is, is that people that impacted lives. And that's what we want to do. We want to impact lives. We want to impact people in our lives by living out what it is that God has done for us. We're going to talk today for a little while about some religious people and, and maybe some folks that are even considered religious leaders. And we're going to talk about some lost people. And we're going to find that a lot of that just interlocks. There's some religious leaders that are lost. And there's some people that, that need to see God. Uh, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. We're talking through this series on evangelism. We're calling it One by one because that's how it happens in most cases it's one person sharing with another person what god has done in their life and allowing themselves to be vulnerable and open and allowing others to see what god's doing in their life jesus has just called his first disciples in the first part of chapter 5, he's beginning to go around and do some of his ministry. Um, there's a, a series of verses in verse 11 or verse 12 through 15 where he goes about beginning to do healing in the, in the towns around him. And then on verse 17 of chapter 5 is where we're going to pick up. Well, let's actually read um, 15 and 16 because it gives us the context said, the news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Boy, I could preach a whole message there for us, couldn't I? Even the Savior needed to desert, get away, and, and, and to pray. The Bible says on verse 17 that on one of these days, one of those days when everybody was kind of coming around, when everybody was there, on one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law. Teachers of the law is just another word for the scribes, those people that were kind of the, the religious lawyers. They were the ones that made sure you followed every little dot in the law. So these religious leaders, Pharisees and leader, teachers of the law, were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in Him, in Jesus, not in them, in Him. Just then, some men came, carrying on a mat a man who was paralyzed. And they tried to bring him in and set him down before him. And since they couldn't find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the mat through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. The Bible says, seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. 
Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, Why are you thinking this, is in, thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or get up and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. And they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. Father, bless the word today. Speak it into our lives and our hearts in these few moments. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Interesting story here today, isn't it? you got a group of people. Uh, you have no idea. We don't have any idea how big the house was. We don't know how many people were there, but we know it was packed. It was a packed house. We know Jesus was teaching. He's teaching probably um, like he did, as we know throughout the, the um, Gospels. He was probably teaching in parables, taking things from the law, looking at everyday experiences and applying those truths so that people could see, and yet veiled it in such a way that unless you were spiritual, you couldn't see? Because how often did the disciples say, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. That doesn't make any sense to us. And he would have to explain it to them. But the religious crowd, the, the, the teachers, the, the, the preachers, the deacons, the local assemblies of leadership, had heard about Jesus and all that he was beginning to do, and they wanted to check him out. They wanted to see if he met their approval, if he did things the way they wanted him to do things. And so they came along with just the average people that, that were in the town, in the city, in the neighborhood, to see what was going on and sit around. And so as the door is packed, and, the, and, and um, Luke chapter number 2 has the same um, passage in it. it it says that the crowd it was it was so crowded even in the doorway you couldn't get in people were were crammed in the doorways and you couldn't get in and a group of guys that heard about Jesus being there had heard about these healings that had been going on in the area loaded up a friend of theirs who was paralyzed and we're going to bring him to Jesus obviously these friends and this man believed that Jesus could do something for him. And they get there and they can't get in. And everybody's just packed around. They're not giving up their seat. They're not giving up their way. They don't move out of the way. So these four men go up on the top of the roof. And it's not a roof built like this. It was probably a flat roof, the way that they built in that day, in that area. But they went up and they began to take the, the plats of of. This version, this uh, thing says the tiles. Um, uh, uh, I think Luke says the roof mats. Um, I, I'm not sure if it was thatch or if it was actually wood and, and um, some kind of a, a tile material. But they began to de deconstruct the roof so they could lower the man in. Some people tell us, or some people say that, that this was probably Peter's house. 
Jesus went to, to hang out with Peter some, and uh, we see other passages where he was. Whoever's house this was, can you imagine sitting there and suddenly the roof starts coming off your house and people start lowering down by ropes a man on a mat to get in front of Jesus. Like Jesus is sitting here and they just start lowering him down so he can get to him. It, it's an interesting story and it's an odd situation, but what I want you to see is the different people that are there today and how they viewed it. See, here's what I know. Some people will come to church just for the show. If you don't think so, look around at what people call church and how some people go to fill the auditorium. They want to go see what's going on, but they don't really want to be impacted by it. They don't have really any intent to meet God, but they want to see. They want to look and see kind of what's happening. The place was packed. And I'm not just picking on the religious leaders here. They're there to see for their reasons, but there were others there to see just to be seeing. Jenny went to church for a while. Probably was considered a religious leader in some respects. She went to church often out of obligation, out of responsibility, out of what others thought, out of habit. Scott, when he first went to that church in Green, Texas, Methodist, he went because he knew he needed something. He just wanted to see what was. It, and, and, he, and he meets this preacher, and they, they start being friendly to him. And they, he, he wanted to see what was going on. What, what is this? I know I need something, but I don't know what I need. I suspect you probably have something like that in your life. Now, you know, you may be like me. I went to church from the time I was a, an infant. I mean, we, that was probably the first public place I went after being coming home from the hospital. It, my parents took me to church because they went to church all the time. But you know somebody. You know somebody that would come on a Sunday morning to church with you just to see what's going on, see what it's like, see what it is, see what's happening there, see what they do, just to see something. Here's what I see. I see that some, some will come because they believe that he can make a difference in their earthly life. I, I, one of the things I love about this story, this experience that happened, is that these four men, and we, we always say four, there was four friends because we always think of one on each corner of the mat. Um, the, these guys came, and they, they, they brought this man to Jesus because they thought he could make a difference in this man's life. They wanted him to be healed. They wanted him to be able to get up and go back to, to life. And I don't know if he had been paralyzed from from an accident or from uh, you know disease or if he'd been paralyzed from from birth we, we don't know any of those stories in this situation we just know that this man couldn't walk and these guys said Jesus can do something for him I guarantee you many of us in this room at some point in our life 
have wanted to see Jesus because we wanted to see what he could do for us in this life. In fact, I will tell you that one of the biggest complaints I have about a lot of the well-known religious figures in, in Western culture in America today is that they emphasize that part of what Jesus can do. He can make your life better. He, he, he can make you happier. He can free you up from a drug and alcohol life. He can, he can fix your marriage, which you want that to be better. I mean, not, I'm not saying any of these things are wrong. I'm just saying that, that it's what can I get out of it? What, what can I receive? Let me ask you, do you know somebody that would come to church with you because they've got trouble in their life and they think maybe Jesus could make a difference? Or you think Jesus, Jesus could make a difference in their life? Who do you know? See, I want to tell you that I'm not throwing rocks at these people. I have thrown rocks at the, both groups of these people before. Well, you just go into church because you want something out of it for you. Or you're just going to church because you want to see the show. I'm going to tell you something. Bring them here next week to see the show. Bring them here next week to see what Jesus can do for them. I don't care why you bring them. Bring them. Bring them. Now, we're going to get to a, an end point here where it's going to change. But I want you to see that these people didn't come necessarily for the right reason. They didn't necessarily come because they needed God and knew that they needed God. But God knew that they needed Him. When Jesus speaks to these four guys and this man, the Bible says that their faith, He said to them, your sins are forgiven. You think that impacted those five, four or five men right then at that moment? I want you to think about it a minute. Why would they bring him? To get healed. What did, what did they say? Your sins are forgiven. Great. Awesome. I still can't walk. That's, that's awesome. Great. Your sins are forgiven. You're still laying there. Those guys, they didn't, they didn't get, I am sure, they were not looking for salvation. They were looking for healing. They just didn't know what they needed. There's people that you know that their lives are a complete disaster. And if you invite them to come, they'll come. Some will come because they need their life to be fixed, and they know they need it fixed. Here's what I also know. Some that come are going to be critical because Jesus doesn't meet their expectations of what religion or God or salvation ought to look like. Religious leaders 
came. And when Jesus brought redemption to this man, they were critical of it. These were the religious leaders in the group. And they were like, who does he think he is? They didn't even thank God for what was happening in the man's life. They just said, who does this guy think he is? An interesting thing is they said it in their heart. They didn't say out loud. It wasn't like, it wasn't like Sam jumped up and went, you, who do you think you are? Just kind of sat in their head and said, yeah, who does he think he is? I think the greatest miracle in this day may be the fact that Jesus said, you know, why are you thinking that in your heart? Don't you think that would have just made you go like, what? How did he know what I was thinking? God doesn't even deal with that. But there's going to be some people that are critical. Let, let me tell you something. There are people that critical can, that will be critical of how we do what we do here. There'll be people that are critical about how you live your life. There'll be people in this building that will be critical of how you do things in your life in this building. They won't say it out loud. But they'll think it in here and in here. I can't believe he's doing it that way. I can't believe Scott stood up there last week and said those things. I can't believe Jenny talked about, man, I would never tell anybody that my life was a mess like that. Why not? It was. Praise God, Jesus made a difference. Well, I'm not going to tell people about my life. Well, you probably won't be very effective then. Because if people think you've got it all under control from birth, you're, you're not helping them at all. If they think you've got it all together on your own, you're not doing much difference. This religious crowd had the Word of God. Back then, you didn't have Bibles like we have Bibles. The only people that had the Word were the religious crowd. They had the, the, the Pharisees and the leaders of the law had the Word of God. The average people needed the Word of God. And these people came in and said, he don't know what he's talking about. Who does he think he is? Some, people are going to be critical of you, I promise you. Who do you know that's skeptical about Jesus? Who do you know that, that looks at you and goes, eh, I'm not so sure you got this thing down. I don't think you really know what you're talking about. You know, millions of years ago when we when we just transformed and dropped our tail from the monkey or we oozed out of the, the, the slime and we, we began to walk on all fours, that's how we came into being, this creation thing. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. Don't you know science? Who do you know that doesn't believe what you believe? Do you not invite them to come and see Jesus because you don't think they would listen? Because they're going to be critical of what they see and hear? What, what are you stopping? What are you letting stop you from inviting someone that you don't think will listen to come into the house of God? Jesus didn't run these people off before they came in. If, if Jesus knew what they were thinking when they got there, don't you think he knew what they were going to be thinking before they got there? Why, why didn't Jesus say, hey, you guys make a hole over there. Get out of the way. I got somebody coming in that needs me that's willing to hear. You guys go on. Never said a thing. Never changed. Hey, come, listen. Sit. I know your heart. Doesn't matter. 
Just come. The great thing about this is that some who come will be eternally changed. One man's life was never the same. He thought he needed to be able to get up and walk. Jesus said, you need to be redeemed. You need to be changed. He didn't even know what he needed. But he got into the presence of Jesus. And God did the work. Listen, I'm never going to save anybody. You're never going to save anybody. God's the only one that's going to do the saving. What we have to do is get them into the presence of Jesus. Now, that doesn't have to be at church. As a matter of fact, I will tell you, big focus of what we're talking about this month is evangelism. If we were really doing what we should be doing, the winning people would be out there because we'd be talking about what God's doing. We'd be sharing the truth of the gospel and people would get saved at the grocery store and people would get saved at, at the restaurants and people would get saved at ball games and people would get saved at the places that you go and then we would bring them back in here and we would begin to build them up and strengthen them and, and, and we would begin to disciple them. That's the way that the gospel's meant to be worked. But the reality is, that most of us have never been raised in that. Most of us have never been trained in that. Most of us have never been, been challenged to that. And so what we see is bring them to church. Okay, bring them to church. I don't know, there's nine chairs on a row. That's one row empty. There's another row back there empty. There's a half a row there and a half a row there. That's 9, 18, 27. Um, almost a row there and there. That's, you know, can you see what I'm saying? We got room for a lot of folks. We got some empty aisle space we can pull up. We got a chair right here. Who are you going to invite? Who will you invite? Maybe somebody that just wants to come see the show. Maybe somebody that, that just needs something in their life that they think they need their life changed. Maybe it's somebody that's just critical and they don't even believe in God or they're not really sure they believe in God the way you believe in God, but, but they need what you've got. Who will you invite that doesn't fit into what you think they ought to look like? Who can be eternally changed? Here's the interesting thing about this passage to me. Verse 25 and 26. Lost people, lost people, lost people. People looking for something for themselves, people looking for something to be critical of, people looking for things that weren't really what Jesus was giving. All were there together, and when God worked in their midst, and He won, He He re, He redeemed that man, and then gave him his physical health. Verse twenty-five says, immediately he got up before them, picked up his mat he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. That man got up, and he left, and he was glorifying God. 
he got up and said, I'm going to walk out of here and God's going to receive the glory from my life. Have you been redeemed? Has God picked you up off the mat? Has God sent you on your way? Has he God said, get up and go home? When you walk out of the door today, are you going to be glorifying God? Are you going to be lifting up praises to God? Or are you going to find yourself being critical of the kids that were crying? Or the preacher that didn't make a whole lot of sense? Or, or the music that wasn't what you wanted to hear? Or the fact that we lost the hour of sleep and we're all tired? I mean, what, what, what's going to be your focus when you walk out of here today? That redeemed man, his focus was glorifying God. But here's what I think is the most interesting thing in this. We would expect that, wouldn't you? I expect the redeemed to leave here glorifying God. Listen to what the rest of the verse says. Verse 26 says, Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God. That means that some of those Pharisees, and some of those scribes, and some of those people that came just to see the show, and some of those people that came just wanting what they wanted out of life, were stopping and saying, Wow, look at God go. Look at what... That's not normal. Guess what, folks? I don't know if you've gotten this. Maybe you've gotten too used to this. What you heard last week, what you heard today is not normal. You heard the stories of two people who were lost and wrapped up in the world and, and not hungry for truth. And God reached into their life. One not religious, one religious. And God reached into their life and redeemed them. How many people, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. I never do this, but I'm going to do this. How many people talked about Scott's testimony to somebody this week? Well, there's two of us, three of us, four of us. Let me tell you what, I went out last week. I was telling people about what I heard. Why? Not because I was glorifying Scott. Listen, you ought to heard what God did in this man's life. Listen, when you go out this week, you ought to be telling people not about Scott and about Jenny or about Pastor Steve or about the church service. You need to be going out and telling people about, man, you ought to see what God did. Let me tell you what God did in our church service. You say, well, I hadn't seen him do a whole lot. Maybe that's part of the problem i know at least in this service that was going on that day there were five people i'm going to say four men and the one man on the mat that showed up in the midst of that service that believed god was going to do something because jesus said when he saw their faith he responded to it Did you come today earnestly believing God was going to do something today? Not that God could do something. Not that God was capable of doing something. But did you come in today 
believing that God was going to do something in the midst of our service today. Let me ask you a question. How serious are you about seeing other people born again? What will you do? What will it cost you? How much effort will you put into it? Will you load somebody up and bring them with you? Will you offer to take somebody to lunch after church on a service? Will you, will you invest some time and effort into somebody? Who will you invite? Who will you bring? i tell you how serious I'm about this today. In the midst of all your connection card stuff, there's an offering envelope, and there is a sheet of blank paper, just a scratch piece of paper. Whose name will you write on there? Who has God put into your mind today? In just the moments we've been talking, who, who did God run through your mind? You know, I need to invite them. I need to talk to that person. I need to think about that person. Would you write their name down? Just their first name. You don't have to write their whole name. Just write their first name down on there. You can do a couple of things with that piece of paper. You can take it. Well, you can do three things with it, I guess. First two, you can take it with you as a reminder to invite them. Or in just a moment, as we have a time of offering, you can come lay it up on the altar. Pray over it, leave it, and ask God to move. Or you can throw it away. But I wonder, who will you bring? And if we will bring somebody, who or how will God impact them, even if they don't know it? I don't know. I, I believe that the man who was saved had faith. I believe, that, I, I believe that he believed God was going to touch him and change him because God redeemed him. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I, I believe he, was, he believed that God would do But I also know that the four men had faith, and God blessed their faith. God honored their belief. God honored their faith. How can God honor your faith that God will move in somebody's life 